Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Web Rush. This is episode 269, and I'm John Papa, along with my co-hosts, Craig Shoemaker and Ward Bell. And today, we're going to talk with my favorite YouTubers out there. But before we introduce my favorite YouTuber, I, I got to ask Ward, Ward, have you ever made a YouTube video? Like, what's your experience on YouTube? Well, I have uploaded uh, to YouTube and therefore have a YouTube account, but I could not call myself a YouTuber because as Gwen will no doubt confirm, you're a YouTuber if you have a regular sort of identified show, not if you just chuck stuff up over the uh, the doorway. So no. So you're not a regular YouTuber. You're not an influencer out there. You don't like have 100,000 people following you and You've got a whole following out there, huh? No, but I'm thinking about it. And if this was a different show, I would definitely ask Gwen about that. <laughs> or I, I'm just disappointed because people who know you, like they all recognize you by the attire you wear at conferences. Um, in fact, I still think there's several social media accounts called like Ward Bell's Outfits out there on social media. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, folks. This is a real thing. <laughs> you you have such an you opportunity. You got to get the links in the show notes if you're going to mention them. I am going to go find those. Um, they're fascinating. If you've ever seen Ward at a conference, you know what I mean. If you haven't, you need to go find these, and I will put links in the show notes. But let's get back to our, our guest today. Our guest is somebody who I happen to have the joy of working with and is a really awesome uh, YouTube personality, and it is Gwen Pena Seguenza. Welcome to the show, Gwen. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, it's really uh, cool to be here. Not going to lie. Interesting to be on this uh, uh, chat with my skip and colleagues, but uh, yeah, let's see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be fun. And, and Gwen's on my team. And uh, so we're, we're going to have an off the cuff, just fun time talking today. And one thing I've noticed about you, Gwen, and uh, you've got a lot of talents, a lot of skills, but one of the things that really stood out to me this last year was you had an opportunity to keynote at All Things Open, uh, also known as ATO, which is a great open source conference in Raleigh, North Carolina. And you had a really interesting topic this year that I thought was just, you brought a really good personality to like a co-pilot discussion. And I wonder if you could talk more about what your topic was and kind of what inspired you to create that. Yeah, um, that was wild. And uh, actually, big shout out to you because that that happened. I got that opportunity because you were like, hey, I need I need some help covering this thing. You tagged me in and now, you know, what's that saying? Uh, opportunity is when luck meets preparation or something like that. I, I, it was t like a total moment for that for me. But the essentially the topic was like how do you, how do you get the most out of out of Copilot? And I had been putting myself through this journey of of learning Python. Uh, this started like spring of last year. Uh, I, I have a .NET uh, Bash PowerShell background, and I wanted to learn how to learn again. And then by learning how to learn Python, because with uh, you know all these AI assistants coming out. It's uh, I think it's kind of like when when the internet came out and people started needed to understand like oh how do I have the combination of books and also resources from the internet to teach myself and we're kind of going through that again potentially and I kind of just talked about how I leveraged Copilot to uh, build this project that I had in mind to also teach myself 
Python and um, it was it was an interesting keynote. Like my my mic went out halfway, and then they had to come up, and swap the microphone, and then I try to crack a joke there to ease attention. Uh, yeah, but being on stage is uh, it's very it's very thrilling. But um, yeah, it was it was a good time. It's a great experience. Yeah, and you, you took definitely a different tack on that, which I thought was awesome. Because I think we had a conversation early on about hey, what language should you show? Like you're doing a co-pilot presentation, and do you show Python, JavaScript, .NET? Like wh what do you do? And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you had said, hey, I'm trying to learn this topic. Could I show how I learned this topic using Copilot? Uh, and I thought that was brilliant, actually. It seemed to go over pretty well. How did you feel about that, the way it landed? Once I got over, actually, what was, what like, the situation that I was in, because I was, I don't know, it was like a thousand people just watching. And, like, the keynote was my first time ever on a stage, ever. And oh, wow. I, I wasn't expecting to say, to say it but the first thing i said when i got on the stage like hey this is the first time i've ever been on a stage so like keep your expectations low and then i heard like the crowd <laughs> laugh and then i was like all right i got this and i think uh whenever i whenever i do kind of approach showcasing or sharing any kind of technical stuff i do want it to be stuff that i've actually put myself through because that's when i find that i can you know toss in a little bit of my own personal experience and um, it's just a lot easier for me to, to deliver a message through that. And I think uh, from, from like feedback of social media and people coming up to me later, um, they were they were pretty happy to see that I was both um, I was both critical of Copilot, but also showcased stuff that I actually did and wasn't just like marketing material or examples that you've seen around before. So I, I think it did it did pretty well. There were definitely some lessons that, of, of things that I wanted to improve for like future uh, speaking opportunities, but I don't know for for my first one. Um, I remember I met I met Emily Freeman and she said something like, "Wow, like you're starting in the league, batting for the Yankees or something like that." And I was just like, "Oh yeah, this is like a big big <laughs> thing." I was trying to think about it, but um, yeah, I, I think it went pretty well. That, that's pretty awesome, and that was the feedback I heard too. That she that she really nailed it, and I watched her video, and I encourage folks to check the show notes out and go watch that. But I think it's it's definitely a non traditional approach to getting on stage by doing a keynote as your first time on stage. So <laughs> that's definitely not the approach I took. Yeah. And you, you certainly helped by giving her a bad mic. That, that was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. I didn't give her the mic at all. I wasn't even there in person. So oh, okay. yeah. Gwen right. was doing me a massive favor by doing this. But I think uh, I recovered pretty well from that. Um, but also around that time, uh, we also got to, to meet, up, meet up with a colleague and later on with you, John. So overall, I have just great experiences from from that, that trip, those couple of days and the conference ATO is special. Like that, that, that's like, that's, there's something about that conference that is so unique. You really do feel like everyone's there to, to have each other's back and just to learn and, and to meet new people. Uh, there's something about that community. It's just so strong. Yeah, definitely a shout out to all things open. I'll actually put a link in the notes there too about it. They do this yearly, but that is a wonderful conference. Uh, and it's, it's really for everybody. If you are in open source, your topic is there. And I get nothing by promoting these, but the people who run it are really good people too. And, and if you ever get a chance to go to a conference, this is one of the ones that's my top five list. Absolutely wonderful one to go to. So John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have 
no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, we're a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, or Vue. But they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at, at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. So tell us more about your your approach to getting into stuff, because I think that's part of your story is while getting on stage for a keynote was the first time you spoke on stage, you've also taken a non-traditional journey to even get into programming, haven't you? I think I'm starting to see a theme like non-traditional things are what I should I should go for um which is kind of cool but yeah I um I, I did go to college for a, a little bit over a semester like a semester and a half and I was majoring in in comp sci but uh I dropped out I I don't know I just feel like being 18 and then trying to figure out something to do for the next four years of your life and then potentially for the rest of your life. It's like a massive decision. And remember when you were 18, you're just like, you know, you think you're the best. You're like, you think you're, you're, you know, you don't need any of this. So I had a lot of that going on. I had also some like personal stuff going on and, and I dropped out. So, and I was also living in Ecuador at this time. So then I was like, well, I got to figure out something to do. I moved back to the States and I got um, a job selling iPhones at an Apple store in a mall. So working at Apple store is chaotic, but at an Apple store in a mall is 10 times worse. 10 times worse. I, I only last like a year, year and a half. Um, at, at Halfway through there, I was like uh, working their help desk, which they call a genius bar. And then I got, got I just got, it was just way too much. Uh, so after that, I ended up landing a, a help desk gig. And that and there, uh, I met someone who was doing like some AWS stuff. And I also met someone who was doing some automation stuff with, uh, it wasn't PowerShell. I think it was like com- command prompt, right? Command prompt, you can do some, a couple of like the dot .bat uh, f- type files. Uh, I was doing some kind of automation with that. And then through that, I learned a little bit more of PowerShell, a little bit of Bash, uh, just kind of on the job type thing. Uh, and then uh, kind of worked my way up through through roles and people kind of helped me to, what like, what's the next step or come help out with this type thing. Uh, I really like help desk. When, whenever people ask me, like, how do you recommend people to, to get started with like no experience, wanting to, but not wanting to go to school? I say, go do support for a year. You're going to learn so many different things. You're going to meet so many different type of people. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was a great experience, but that was definitely like my, my first step uh, into, into this, this wonderful field of, of tech and programming and cloud computing. That is so far from sitting in the back of the classroom hoping you don't get called upon, <laughs> which, which is, I think, the, uh, you know, maybe that's why people coming out of uh, many computer science projects don't really know you know, uh, uh, curricula. I mean, they know a lot, but they aren't they're aren't ready to sort of encounter the world with that. And they suddenly feel kind of left like, what What did I just go to school for? We talked about this a bit. I mean, and there was certainly value. And we talked, we had a great show, I think, about the value of coming out of a computer science project program. But the thing it doesn't do is thrust you into the reality of it. And help desk sounds like a great way to sink or swim. Absolutely. There's, there's, I think there's really no better way to prepare yourself for what it is to work in like a professional environment or a complicated environment than people coming at you and just 
just dumping their issues on you. And you have to, you are measured by how you respond to that. So not only is their problem your problem, but also making sure they're happy at the end of the day is also like, that's that's what you're based, uh, your performance is based on. So I, I've encountered everything and I've been able to talk people off like a bunch of different issues. And um, yeah, like people skills just, I think um, it's it's been a big differentiator in my career, and I'm so lucky that it was something I was able to like first develop in my like my one of my first gigs. When you're talking to the people and they're saying thank you or I don't get it or whatever, you're getting real feedback about how effective you are and what is and what isn't effective, uh, and that that again you can't get that sitting in a classroom, and I, I and that. That builds confidence. Don't you feel like, because you, you exude confidence, I have to say. Um, oh, thank you. And, you know, go do the keynote thing. Is that, that would really build it, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, f- I figured like, you know, a keynote of like, you know, a thousand people look at me can't be worse than someone, you know, threatening to, I don't know, like beat me up because their iPhone doesn't work. So, you know, I was, I was fine. <laughs> Wait, did that happen? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no idea how chaotic people can get when their phones stop working. Like it, we had people who were like threatened to like, you know, re- like, you know, physical harm, uh, a, bu- a bunch of stuff happened. And so, yeah, I definitely had to get out of that situation. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I mean, working in the malls is, is always such a different uh, context too. I worked at a Wilson Swain Leather in the mall. And we had people acting like that. So I can only imagine what it was like with, uh, <laughs> with your phones. But talking about confidence and, and kind of growing up, I, I came through a similar route, the, the self-taught, you know, I was very intimidated or I don't know if that's the right word, but conscious of the fact that I did not go to school for these things. So I'm just curious, tell us a little about your first experience as in, in a professional developer setting and how did you navigate that to where you succeeded? Yeah, absolutely. So after the help desk gig, again, a year, I think for me, uh, I'm still on pace to like every year and a half or so I make some kind of change in my career, whether it's a promotion or a change in company or uh, a change of roles or something like that. Um, and it's just happened naturally. I haven't been like aiming for like, oh, every year and a half to do it. It's just, it's just has happened that way. So after a year and a half at the help desk gig, I, I, I took a... Um, an AWS certification uh, and took me like six months to pass it. And then after that, I was like, I need to go find another gig. So I found this, this admin gig that was back then I was living in, in Connecticut and this, um, actually it's a, a little town called Newtown close to Sandy hook, which you, you might, might've heard of. Um, and there, they had this little like startup energy based startup in the middle of like the woods. It, it was this, this like old fire house, fire department house. And um, they had a little startup there and they were looking for, for a sysadmin. And I went and, you know, I interview. Uh, the first interview was with a hiring manager. And he was so cool. Shout out to Chris. Chris, I've, I tell him this all the time because we're still in contact. Uh, but he really like did change my life and my career. And uh, I remember us talking in between. We were waiting for, I think, the CTO to come in. And I remember us talking just like casually. He was like, what kind of books do you like to read? And uh I tell him, oh, I'm currently reading this book called The Phoenix Project. And he tells me, no way, I'm currently reading that book right now, too. Yeah, fantastic book. And he's like, what do you think about this character? And we start sort of like building rapport based off this book. And there was something after that conversation happened that I was like, I don't know, but I feel like I got this job. So then I I get the job and and I onboard rather quickly. But it was was kind of a my my entire time there was kind of chaotic, but in a good way where it was just like a... 
firehose maybe it had something to do with like it being an actual firehouse but it was a firehose <laughs> of stuff to do because it, it was a small startup and you know startup you're, you're a sysadmin but you're also help this you may be doing devops you may be doing cloud so and i also happened to be surrounded by ev- it was like everyone was a senior for some reason and then there was me like junior like ju- there was no nothing like in the middle it's like everyone had 15 plus experiences or experience or it was me i was definitely intimidated by like trying to ask questions and they all had like like 15 plus years of like .NET experience or data engineering experience or something like that. Uh, and I was definitely intimidated to ask questions because I, I don't even know like, h- h- like how, do I, how would I approach this? Uh, but then one day I kind of just like sat down, like I had like this task assigned to me and I was like, I either kind of get up and just start figuring out how to, how to approach this or I'm like not going to progress. And then I just kind of went for it. And then the good thing about that was I quickly started to learn like the way you ask questions really impacts the kind of answers that you get. Uh, and that kind of taught me to like be as resilient as possible to get as much as I can for myself. And then when I'm really, really, really stuck, try once more and then go ask questions. And then I started to gain a lot of respect from my colleagues because that was a, the approach I was taking. Uh, and then I started to get on more like more projects. I, I definitely felt uh, a little intimidated my entire time there. Uh, but I never let it, uh, let it, let it stop me. Like I was like, I'm going to, I'm either going to feel intimidated and like not progress or I'm going to feel intimidated and try to do something about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I was more of a fan of, of the, the latter. So that's kind of my, my, I guess, mentality around that. Either way, the intimidation's there, right? It's like, you, you yeah, can't do anything <laughs> about it. Like, what, right? what am yeah. I, like not feel it? <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of one of my colleagues at IdeaBlade, who is our, our IT guy. And he worked it at Radio Shack, and it was quite common for them to be held up at gunpoint. So I figure after you've, you've had that, you know, it's, uh, hey, talk about intimidation. I'm ready. <laughs> what else have you got for me when I deal with real real people out there? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a route to these things. I, had a, I have a close friend of mine. Um, we have a very similar kind of like help desk, cloud engineer type progression. And he started working at a gas station and he was held uh, like, uh, like I guess, like with a knife. Someone, like, it happened to him a couple of times because he would work the night shift. He'd go to uh, school in the day, work, and then work the night shift at the gas station. And then people would come all the time, like threaten, like t- to steal from the cash register. So um, I remember him talking to me about his, uh, uh, he was interviewing for Google. And he was kind of nervous. And I'm like, at one point I was like, dude, come, like you've put up with like people wanting to like literally kill you. And this is, this is intimidating you. And then after that, he kind of snapped. He's like, you know what? I got this. So, and then he got, he eventually got the job. So it's all about perspective. So Gwen, this tells me a lot about what it's like to work for John for you. So that now you're. <laughs> I'm prepared for anything. So that's it. Actually, the worst you get from John is kind of a funny look. That's all I have are funny looks, Ward. That's at least what everybody tells me. So, uh, Gwen, I mean, one of the things I, I'd like to ask, too, is like, you seem to be somebody who dabbles in a lot of different technology areas. What are your, what are the ones that are really piquing your interest these days? Like, where is your focus right now that you're like, I have a passion around this? Um, okay, so as of lately... Well, the last couple of weeks, I've been more so interested in in trends of because I, I mentioned that I at the same place I was at, at the sysadmin, I got kind of immediately the opportunity to work on like cloud infrastructure projects, migrations, automations, all that kind of stuff. Just because my boss was like, "Hey, you have free time. You want to do this?" And I was like, "Heck yeah!" Um, and then I got promoted to like an official cloud engineer role. But 
even then, so we're talking, this was uh, 2017, 2018-ish, it was extremely generic. And I remember looking at the the job listings and uh, for cloud engineer roles as well, and they were all extremely generic. And then suddenly, for the past couple of months, I've been looking at these uh, uh, postings again, but mainly because with, with YouTube and uh, kind of like the community I have on Discord, uh, I, I help a lot of people try to land roles and kind of prepare for them that. So I pay attention to this type of stuff. And these roles are still, like cloud engineer roles are ex- still extremely generic. And I, then I started diving into like, where where is this whole field kind of headed to? And uh, kind of like the trends around that. So from like a technology perspective outside of the stuff that I do for work, that's kind of been consuming a lot of my time, kind of understanding where this whole like cloud engineering, cloud computing type stuff sits in this whole, uh, I guess, our whole IT industry. But when it comes to like like solid, solid stuff that I'm really trying to get hands on hands on with, um, is it's definitely all the like, um, I guess, AI technologies that we have available to us. I'm trying to build a couple of projects. Uh, I think the, oh, oh, Semantic Kernel has been uh, consuming my time lately a lot. And it changes like every day. I I feel like every single day I have to update the library and then, oh, one thing breaks and this other thing I got to go find another demo. Like, oh, we're missing documentation. But the thing about this is now because I also happen to know the team that works on it, it turns into like, oh, now I got to go up, help them update docs. And then like, oh, then I got to pause getting hands on and go update docs. So yeah, that kind of stuff is is also uh, interest of me. But I uh, I feel like the projects that I kind of get hands on with change week by week, depending on like what piques my interest, which is kind of fun and it fits really well with advocacy. But yeah, I would say lately, it's kind of like trends of like cloud engineering, a little bit of like what platform engineering type stuff is, and then getting hands on with all this, this AI stuff. So I, I, one of the things is like you, you're you keep throwing these sort of texts at you know stuff at you, but like is a cloud engineer or 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 an advocate like what what problem what do you think are the kinds of problems you're trying to solve for others what what gives that its its sense of a purpose there in terms of the problem set as opposed to the technologies that you can sort of say, well, I'd like to, you know, this is hot, this is hot, this is hot. What's the core, What what's the defining problem set? What's a day in the life really mean? Yeah, so there's, I think a, a, I like to have cohesion in what I do uh, for work and then outside of work is um, I, I do a lot of stuff uh, you mentioned earlier, like on, on YouTube and then on my Discord or or whatever these p- sort of personal projects that I do on the side. I like them all to have the same mission, uh, which is why I think advocacy fits very well with me. And, and my, really, my goal is to help people get jobs and kind of provide the guidance that I didn't have when I was you know struggling to kind of find my foot into the door. Uh, so that's kind of like overarching. So if I can find, if I can align the stuff that I do in, in any aspect here, uh, then I'm going to like, that's the ultimate end goal. But of course, you know, work. So there are other things that we have to kind of like <laughs> do, right? But they tend to align very well. Um, but really, the, I think the main thing from for me as an advocate now is, I, I think for the last, let's say, since the spring, I really want to push the like these there's there's something new happening now. We're we're going through a change in how we work, how we learn. And you, there's you can be on either side of, of the of the spectrum of like this stuff is not root like AI is not gonna change anything. It's like it's a hack, it's 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 you know, it's not here long term. Or you could be on the side of uh like this is gonna take everyone's job over, there's no hope, humanity's lost. 
Or you could be in the middle, which is actually the only space that's actionable and kind of learn how to leverage these things in your day to day. Uh, so that's kind of the space that I want to help people figure out what that what does that look for them, whether that is like adopting, uh, alert, leveraging how to use GitHub Copilot as someone who doesn't work in the space or uh, going and talking to a team of like 800, which I was recently had the opportunity to do of people who are adopting this, a team of developers adopting this and showcasing, oh, these are these are ways that you can actually leverage this, this stuff right now in your day to day stuff. Um, so that's kind of the space I, I, I find myself with, uh, like, I guess, since spring of last year. Um, but again, the ultimate goal is get people jobs and however I can, I can align it. That's, that's how I'm going to try to do it. Are you building a web application need to deliver it soon and don't have the people to do it? Maybe you're not sure your company has the skill set or experience to do it. And maybe we can help. I'm your host word bell. And my day job is building applications for companies like yours. I don't do it alone. I'm president of idea blade, a consultancy that specializes in enterprise web application development. We're particularly strong in angular, RxJS, NGRx Redux on the front end, and .NET Microsoft technologies on the server. We're a small, tight-knit group of people handpicked by me for their expertise, experience, integrity, and team spirit. Maybe we can help you with architectural guidance and hands-on development. And if there's something we don't know, and in our field, really, there's too much to know, we can draw on our personal connections in the Microsoft RD, MVP, and Google GDE networks, as well as our international circle of really great developers, people we know and trust personally. If you've got a project that's keeping you up at night, shoot us an email at info at ideablade.com. That's info at ideablade.com. And now back to the show. So you've mentioned GitHub Copilot a few times and, and really any of the tools that you've had experience with. I'm curious, what are some of the non-obvious ways people might use some of these tools in the, you know, for the, the purpose of getting a new job or a better job or whatever? Yeah, I think um, the ability to tailor your learning experience is, it's never been the way that it is now uh, because I now I find myself having uh, either Bing, shameless plug, uh, Bing Chat or whatever it was renamed to. I can't remember what it was named. I think it was renamed to like Copilot or something. But the one that's in the the, the Edge browser, I have it open when I have Docs open, um, or or I have like uh, whenever I open a new project in VS Code or I'm kind of like cruising around someone else's, I'll have Copilot Chat open there, and just kind of getting up to speed and and but more importantly, like the ability to to dive deeper without context switching um, or the ability to, yeah, like get productive a, l- a little quicker or like understand things in your own, in your own way, because you now get the answers in a way that you ask. So if you ask in like, if I like me, Gwen, I'm, I'm pretty like concise when I speak and like, I try to have like concise kind of straightforward uh, type questions. And then it, it's interesting to see like that own like res- response comes back to me in that same way. Um, so yeah, I think that, that the uniqueness of how you can, like yeah, your learning experience or your learning journey or, or leveraging these tools is very like up, up to you type thing, I think is, is, is like one of the coolest things ever. Um, is, is there something that sticks out to you? Like when you're talking to people about the way you use the, the co-pilots and the, and the different tools where they're like, Oh, I'd never thought of that before. I think I like to call this, uh, the, um, Actually, I don't call it. I, I can't remember where I got it from, but the priming my brain. Um, there's this there's this talk called um, 
Learning How to Learn by Barbara Oakley. And I think she's the one who speaks about this concept of like, you know how when, you, when you're going to purchase a book and you just kind of like skim through all the pages to see if it's actually something that will interest you? Um, applying that same kind of concept to like code or whatever project you're tackling. And I tell people like now, what I end up doing is spending like 10 minutes, like kind of like asking Copilot, like literally highlight this line. Like I remember building um, for ATO, I built a, a, a project generator that will you type in the Azure certification that you're studying for and it'll spit out to you a, a project idea for you to go and get hands on. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I spent like a whole week trying to understand because again, I dropped out of like uh, college. So I didn't get any of like the formal maths and um, I tried, I spent like a week understanding like how the algorithms and like the, what is it, hierarchical, navigable small world and the cosine similarities and literally just highlighting it line by line and like explain this and like, oh no, explain like this subset of words. And whenever I show people like you can really like get as granular as you want, they're like, I can, I can really like ask these questions like right here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And ask more, ask more, like ask more until you feel like you're, you're completely satisfied. It reminds me, it kind of reminds me of like the hesitation that I had back when I was a junior and trying to speak to senior engineers. And now it's like, oh, I don't have the hesitation at all because I could just keep asking Copilot or whatever I'm using and it'll it'll have to provide an answer. So you're, uh, I have a kind of question that's sort of tangential to what, uh, or maybe builds off of what Craig is asking. Um, because you see so many people, uh, you know, you have, you're talking to all these people, particularly in your YouTube. What are the things or the top things that people don't quite get? What are the things they stumble on? What do you have to get them over? That's a great question. Um, I think there's there's two different areas. The, the 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 technical area is that people think that like like cloud engineer, cloud computing is just going to Azure, and that's it, or going to other cl cloud platforms, and that's kind of it. And then they, they don't understand that really like a successful application in cloud is a a in a really a, a collection of Linux networking, programming, DevOps, security. And they kind of seem like, oh, certification, that means I'm, I know how to know cloud. So kind of really getting to understand people, like if you build a foundation later on when cloud engineering turns into platform engineering or suddenly it disappears and you got to be an SRE, you got to be a DevOps engineer, whatever it is, if you have your foundation, you're going to be set. I think that area, from a tech technical perspective, I, I would want to drive it further, but um, it's kind of hard. I, I feel like I find myself kind of explaining that almost every single day. Uh, and the other side of that, I think, I don't know if it's social media or whatever it, it could be, uh, but I, I feel like sometimes people can uh, so underestimate how much resilience and how how difficult and how much you actually have to be learning all the time for this field. Like it's part it's part of any any job. Like you 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 could of course choose not to learn and kind of stay where you want to be at. But if if you really want to progress, it's something that you have to kind of bake in. So. If you take the, the the opportunity to learn how you best learn and understand what that framework looks like for yourself when you're studying before even getting the job, long term you're going to be great. Uh, but yeah, like that 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 idea of like being very very resilient, I feel like sometimes pe it goes over people's heads or they think like I just got to study now. Once I'm in, I'm in type thing. So those are two areas that I, I see a lot of people getting kind of like stuck on. Very cool. Hey, Gwen, uh, we come to the time of our show now where it is for our final thoughts for our audience. Before we get into that, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors for keeping us on the air, both to IdeaBlade, Ward's company for consulting, and also to AG Grid, one of the best grids out there on the web. Thanks for keeping us on the air. Thanks for listening to us every week, everybody. 
Uh, for our final thoughts, Gwen, we'd like to share with the audience any topic that's top of mind that you just want to get out there that's resonating. And I will start with Craig for your final thoughts today. I saw this really cool uh, uh, prompt for whatever language model you're using. And that was to say, uh, have it generate some output. And then you ask it to generate a scale. So like if it's doing text, you can say, on a scale of one to 10, how formal uh, is this? One is very informal, one is super formal. And it'll tell you how it rates its output. And then you could say, okay, well, it gave it uh, itself a four. You're like, okay, well, turn it up to a six to make it a little more formal. And I just, I thought that was such a creative way of, of using uh, a prompt to help kind of dial in and calibrate the, the, the output that you get. And you could use it in any context. You could use it with code, you could use it with prose. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a, a fun technique. Ward, what is your final thought for the audience? Well, I'm kind of thinking about Gwen's experience and Craig's experience to some degree and my experience and what, what I gleaned from it because we each came to it from non-traditional ways. And so I think the thing that you said, Gwen, that stood out for me, not, there were two things that stood out for me. One was grab something, anything that matters to other people and build, you know, give yourself a place to stand. All right. That's the thing I can do. And I can be good at that thing. And it could be anything like one of my buddies when he started, it was mounting tape drives. Um, okay. So now you got something. And then the second thing you said is, okay, now that you have something, don't cling to it like or like it's the last rock that you'll ever be on. Because if it was mounting tape drives, you're going to have a hell of a time finding some place to do that anymore. Um, uh, so that, that, you know, those, that's the twin things, you know, it, have confidence that no matter what it is that you start at, that's something that you can stand on to, to then be confident build your relationship to being in the technology world. Now you can go someplace else, but now go someplace else. Let it take you, flow with it. Um, and I like those two thoughts. I think those are good takeaways. Those are good thoughts. And as you're talking there, Gord, I'm thinking again, yet again, I think I am the only person on this podcast who took more of a traditional path to software development, which I think is awesome. We're just, we've met so many people who have taken a different path to development career. And I really find that fascinating and really encouraging. Gwen, what, what are your final thoughts for the audience today? One thing I, I like to remind myself, and I think it might be useful for others to hear, is trust yourself. Really just, just trust yourself. I think uh, if there are moments where you question your ability, that's normal because we all do that. And um, I think also the concept of like fitting in, I, 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 don't, I don't think you need to worry about like fitting in. So trust yourself, trust your ability. Go figure out what you need to figure out. It's it's all it's all, it's all out there. Uh, listen and learn from a bunch of people, and you know, go 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 figure it out. Go do what you, what it is that you want to do. It's very it's, it's doable. That's good advice. And you know, being the Disney guy that I am, uh, as soon as you said trust yourself, I started singing Elsa in my head from Frozen. So I'm sorry, <laughs> just just got it going on. Like show yourself. Anyway, I have way too many kids who love Disney way too much. Who am I kidding? It's me. I was just gonna say, come on now. I know. <laughs> I know. So my final thought for today is a little bit off topic, actually, instead of being on topic, I, I really a big fan of, and I know Dan, who's um, been a co-host in our show for many times as well, big fan of finding other things outside of tech to do. And I was looking for something just a little different. I like to draw. I do a lot of drawing and art. Not very good at it, but I do it. No, <laughs> but I also don't. No, like, you're an incredible artist. Don't even. Oh, 
Well, thank you, Craig. But yeah, something I'm trying that's new. And my daughter, Ella, got me into this. She's a fashion designer, is the Woobles. I've never heard of this before, but it's a crochet kit for beginners. And basically, you can create this little crochet animals. Uh, and they've got this great thing at thewoobles.com. Uh, and I think it's like 30 bucks. And I bought one and it came in today. And I can't wait to dive in. I have never crocheted in my life, but I'm going to try it because it looks like it's just a fascinating use of my mind that is completely opposite to what I do on a daily basis. And I encourage you all to find something that you have too. And, and whether I succeed or fail, I'm trying something new and, and I'm going to trust myself as, as Gwen says to see, can I do this without like crocheting, you know, the yarn to my hand? We'll see if that works out. <laughs> yes, in the picture. <laughs> so John, I, I'd like to leave everybody with a, a little line from a great song. Yeah. All right. Just remember folks, it's not, what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're doing when you're doing what you look like you're doing. Express yourself. Dude, great song. I'll look for the link. You definitely put in the link. And by the way, if all of you'd like to hear Ward sing, because he's a phenomenal singer, we need to get him encouraged to sing on our show on a weekly basis from now on. So wow. absolutely great. And we'll leave it at that for everybody out there. And for all of you, thank you for listening to us for yet another week of WebRush, the podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you. And you can hear from us every Thursday morning. See you next time. 